0: to her career, to where she lives and to her faith as well. We kick off this episode just talking about our first impressions of each other and sharing a few stories from our younger days. We then move into really picking Pauline's brains on how she navigated all the changes in her life and how she was able to face them without fear. We discuss the question, what were you created for? And also talk about the constants we can hold on to amidst life's ups and downs. We are super glad you're here with us, and as always, we hope that this
1: episode will be interesting
0: and beneficial for you.
2: Oh my! Welcome to Learn a podcast to enjoy some vigorous tea that may be good for your mind, body, and soul. My name is Elam,
0: and I'm joined by my co-host, Sid. And today, we are super excited to have a guest with us on the pod. Her name is Pauline... Louis, I hope I didn't butcher that last name, and she's someone who's had a pretty extraordinary life uh, that we've known for a long time,
2: and she's got a lot of good stuff to share on today's pod. Yeah, definitely, but before we get into it, I'm not going to ask Elam how he's doing this week, but I'm going to plug <laughs> the Instagram, so Podcast. <laughs> if you want to follow us for the latest updates, and actually, speaking of Instagram, that's where Pauline commented on one of our... Uh, post, uh, and it was actually yeah, the yeah. one about our insecurities and the one about our laughter. So for those of you that don't know, Pauline, her laughter is almost as bolsterous as us or actually arguably fact, it, even more bolsterous. It's, yeah. It's,
0: it's more, it's more, it's at a it's more, more powerful level. Um,
2: like if I'm at an eight and Elam's at an eight, then Pauline's like, like 12. <laughs> 12.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, so she commented on that and we were like, oh yeah, she could totally be on the pod. Um, Because, yeah, I think she brings a pretty cool perspective and has gone through a lot in her life. So, Mm -hmm. uh, actually, a little uh, intro uh, to her and how we know her is she was actually a close friend of our wives in high school. And they've stayed close friends all throughout the years. And Pauline was a bridesmaid at both of our weddings. Oh, let's go. And, yeah, she's just someone who's gone through a lot of ups and downs in life and if you just think of someone who's just willing to take leaps of faith and just follow her passions and like, mm. without, with kind of like not knowing where it's going to take her, um, mm. that's pretty much been her life in the last couple of years. And she's someone that has a huge, huge influence on you know the people that she meets. And yeah, we're super excited to have her on the pod today.
2: Yep. So without further ado, let's bring Paulie on. So, should we get her to do the Olmeyer as well?
0: <laughs> what, <Well, laughs> bro? With no music. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, what's the
0: problem? Uh Cue the music <laughs> What? Oh, oh
1: my
3: Thanks uh, guys for having yeah. me on the pod
0: Not you're most welcome And honestly, I'm not gonna lie It's it's a new experience for me talking to someone who's not Sydney right now <laughs>
3: <laughs> across the sounds, like, sounds like you need some more friends, Elon
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, let it bolt <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, but I guess Pauline, you heard, uh, you know how we introduced you a little bit. Do you want to just maybe give us a real quick five minutes, maybe of you know just who you are, paint the picture, so whoever's listening can get a better feel for who you are.
3: Yeah, five minutes definitely not enough. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's a lot of years to condense into five minutes, but let's give it a go. Uh, I actually met Shirley when I was five years old, so we've been friends since I was five. So that's like twenty plus years of. Uh, friendship and journeying together, uh, but yeah, I, in, in particular, um, with this part that we're doing today, I think it's the background that I want to share is that I'm not from a Christian family as such, but my family were definitely mm. spiritual, um, and uh, what mm. I mean by that is we were, uh, we would, uh, you know, visit the temples when we were younger, um, and uh, my mum and, and dad did actually go to Bible study when I was younger as well, and uh, cool. and we, we checked out a couple of things and we're just spiritual in nature. Mm-hmm. And so I always knew that there was some sort of God or some sort of spiritual thing that was going on um, in the universe. Um, yeah. but I didn't discover Jesus until I was, uh, 17, which was, uh, first year of uni. Actually, uh, I had already started uni and then I discovered, uh, what it's like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I don't know if you... I don't know if you guys know, but you two played a really big part in that journey. Did you know that? I want to say no. Like, yeah, okay.
2: like negatively, Don't negatively impact it.
3: No, not so much that. I don't think you guys know this. Uh, but uh, one of the part of the stories that I tell when I talk about my testimony of coming to know Jesus is I, I felt like I had everything in life. Like I did feel like I had my life kind of together, like I was, you know, I was, uh, I'd was. just gone to uni, I had a lot of friends, all of that, mm-hmm. but there was one moment, uh, and it was after one of our friend's baptisms, and uh, we were at Lloyd Ellsmore, and uh, mm-hmm. we were having uh, KFC that day, yeah, uh, yeah. after the baptism, and then you guys were, like, playing soccer, and the girls were sitting underneath the trees, and we are just chatting away, and I had a moment where I stood there, and I turned around, and looked at the boys, and I was like, why are they so happy they're literally just chasing around a ball like how can they be so happy and in that moment i just had a moment of going wow like how do i get that joy that they have what did they have in their life that they could just be so happy without having to try please everyone and all of those things and that was it was that afternoon i went home and i asked god whether he really exists and whether I could get that, and so you guys are actually a really oh like important, p- p- like pivotal part of my life, um, and me coming to know Jesus because of the joy that you share. So I'm, I'm just really excited. I was always excited when I when I saw you guys started this podcast because I was like, it's that joy and how the way that you guys are so passionate about God that really inspired me. I mean, Sydney, I don't think Sydney was a Christian even then. I know, Elon, you were. Um, um, but, yeah, just the way that you guys came together and the journey that the Lord has brought us on has been pretty amazing.
2: Now, that's yeah, that's pretty crazy, eh? Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, because
0: because I actually <laughs> remember that afternoon, but I think a quick thing is, I think we may have been playing soccer at some point, but we were, my only memory is when we were playing um, rugby. And yeah. then, and then oh, one yeah, of our friends that's... just got completely nailed by another guy. And then... And then the whole afternoon was kind of like, oh, crap, like someone got hurt.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that too, actually.
0: <laughs> so I'm really glad that your kind of lasting memory is like such a... It's not that. A... Yeah, yeah, it's not that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's us. It's the joy that came before that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, so that that uh, that was when I gave my life to Jesus. But in, in general, I guess like my upbringing is very similar to most uh, Asians who grew up in Auckland. Or maybe, yeah, I I went through a lot of tutoring growing up um, my parents invested in a lot of that for me i did music i did math english uh, arts uh, basically everything and went through high school really wanting to get out of it (laughs) rushing through it a little bit and then went through to uni and graduated uh i graduated with a bachelor of arts and commerce and i did psychology education marketing and management. I don't know if you guys know that either, but that's what I (laughs) do coming out of uni.
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah, because actually like now that you mentioned all that stuff, that's a big reason uh, we were really keen to have you uh, come on to this podcast is you kind of went through that real classic, you know, Asian, you know, upbringing where you're like, yep, just do all the Um, co-curricular. I know you did well at school. You were like super involved with the music at uni, you know, you were doing... I felt like you were always with your friends, but then you clearly were doing pretty well at uni as well. And then
2: mm-hmm.
0: I know you then kind of uh, could you talk maybe really briefly about you know going into the workplace and yeah, um, and I know you've kind of pivoted your career since since then.
3: Yeah, so coming out of uni, <laughs> doing psychology, education, marketing, and management sounds really impressive. But then if yeah. you think about it, <laughs> you can't really do anything with psychology unless you're like a clinical psychologist, at least in Auckland. This is like, yeah. you, Otherwise, you just research, right. uh, which, I, I, which I totally respect. And I love reading psycho- uh, psych- psychology papers, but I just wasn't a researcher. So I couldn't do anything with psychology. I couldn't really do anything with education because I was doing it under Bachelor of Arts and not education. Oh and my. then I couldn't do management because I couldn't manage people like coming out of uni. I graduated when I was 20, so yeah. I couldn't be a manager at 20 years old. So I was left with marketing yeah. uh, and that's yeah. how I got into marketing. And so I, uh, my first job in marketing was actually working for Noel Yiming, uh and, and, and mm. uh, that was before I was part of the warehouse group, but that was the largest electronics retailer and. Uh, New Zealand and I was choosing between that job and a job at, at a bank uh, which was that was a tough choice itself but I felt leaning towards um, that job there at Knowles, and yeah I worked there for four years and then from there I uh, had a move uh, which we'll talk. I can talk to you more about it later but yeah, that move I translated into Christians Against Poverty which is a Christian uh, organisation, not, not for profit organisation and then Man, from there yeah, I totally forgot that part <laughs> Uh, yeah. what do you mean? Uh, that was part of my transition right yeah, like, it yeah, felt more yeah. like a little bridge yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and then went from that uh into uh the the rice movement and i actually uh, which you might not even know this either but i actually interned so i was a rice intern and okay. then and then during that i also also became staff and so yep. i was doing internship two days a week three days staff uh but at the same time uh uh, I was also working for a little startup business um, under mm. uh, the branch of a, a bank as well. Uh, yeah. And, and through that, after that, then I transitioned out of working on the bank and just did full time with the rights movement. So currently I'm the executive manager of the rights movement, I'm executive manager, so CEO, Looking after all of, uh, yeah, their projects there and just running the movement,
0: running globally.
3: the
0: show. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, really excited to get into a bit more detail. I guess with that, with that journey. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe before we jump right into the, the meat of that, uh, as we mentioned before, um, you know, you've got these memories of us when we were super young, and you've known Sydney's wife Shirley since she was five, and I know you've been one of Joe's best friends for like as long as you guys have known each other pretty much. Yeah. So um, we thought it'd be pretty cool if we just c- kind of um, have a little bit of fun, I guess, sharing first impressions.
3: I don't know how cool. fun this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Keeping because, in mind, you guys knew me before I became a Christian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I think because we're both, uh, you know, not, not to talk about age um, too much because, you know, you don't. Maybe a sensitive topic, but you know, we're not we're not sixteen anymore, that's for sure. And that's when we roughly knew each other. So um <laughs> I don't know. Pauline do, you oh, wanna, yeah, Pauline, do you wanna go first or should we go first?
3: Uh my ones are quite brief. Uh, maybe I just okay. don't have very good of a memory. Uh but Oh, I
0: thought you were gonna I... say not very good of an impression. <laughs> yeah. No, no.
3: I think my first impressions are different than my Like your later impressions, but very first impressions. Uh, I remember Elam being, you were in A class, weren't you? Uh,
0: Were you? Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so I remember uh, categorizing you as really smart. Uh, yeah. But the guy with the basketball, so you always had a basketball with you, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. And then did my, yeah. <laughs> you also have a Nike bag? Did you have a Nike uh, backpack?
0: Yes, yes, I did. Yeah,
3: so it was like a bit tethered Nike backpack. Dude, and a yeah. Guy
0: with a basketball. And I was still using that bag. Shout out to that backpack until uh, last summer.
3: Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. like 10 years. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, so I, I had an impression of you being nerdy, but also really good at basketball. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah that's about it. <laughs> and there <with> <laughs> was Sydney, Sydney's one is even it. more yep. brief. So Sydney's one <laughs> oh, was, he has cool. he had a really cool hairstyle and oh, i remember that's why shirley used to call you pineapple
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh my <laughs> oh man You're getting into the pet names oh crap this is a throwback right?
3: <laughs> so you had a really cool hair and i always wondered how much time does he spend on doing his hair uh, and then i also remembered you as someone who used to play a lot of computer games <laughs> i don't know you Whoa. still do it now how did you, uh,
2: you get the impression from like during school
3: because you hung out with all of the gamers that i knew like as oh, in okay. yeah because we were all playing some sort of computer <laughs> games like i was into maple so. story but like you guys were into dota back then right
2: yeah that's yeah. true that's true yeah bro, bro man when i
0: was listening to that i'm like i was my, after my whole spiel about how oh, it's been a long time and how it's different, everything Pauline said is like still applies. So <laughs> it's still the
1: same.
3: <laughs> You're <southern> <laughs> still the lucky bang.
0: I'm still playing basketball. Sydney's still playing games.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Sydney's hair is like not as spiky anymore. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, not as cool. I've gone,
2: I've gone down. Yeah. I've, no, it's still I've, cool. Calm down. Uh, Calm down.
3: Do you, know how, do you know how much time you used to spend doing your hair?
2: It didn't actually take that long to be honest, because you really? just need to. I actually know to be honest. No, nah, come take that on, Be honest. Come on, There's like a whole honest, routine. Like, like, oh. you gotta, like, if you want the wax to to like work well, you have to wash your hair in the morning, and then you gotta oh blow my. dry it. Oh my. And then, and bro, then and then you
0: and then you know you you like we're making those individual spikes as well. Don't <laughs> <laughs> make it sound
2: like you weren't doing it,
0: bro. My, I I was never as intense. Nah, That's not, why my first impression was about my bro. hair. I just oh. did a little side sweep. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember Elon's hair too, but as a sw- side sweep, not so the much the yeah. little spikes that you had to twirl. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely, and so. Sydney's oh. ones.
2: I remember. Um, I think it was our ball photos, and then I think it was like, like Elam's mom was like looking at it with us, and then okay. Elam's mom. And then I think it was Elon's mom. Like, or it was an auntie or someone, and she's like, "Oh, it looks like everyone's hair has like been windswept." Like, like. <laughs>
3: when blown by the wind i'm like oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you guys also had one side like everyone was spiking towards one side as well
0: yeah it's, i feel <laughs> i feel like it's just one of those phases where um you know when we look at our parents when they were young and then they did the um i don't know how to say it in english i was like the perms like go it in yeah. yeah, you know, where all the hair is just like crazy, and like the guys yeah. that have the mad mullets. I feel like yeah. our kids will look back at us and be like, "Like, what's going on here? Like, why? Why? How yeah. was bike just... fashion?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when uh,
3: Gatsby was like the most rare thing, like everyone just wanted like a little bottle of that Gatsby yeah. uh, wax. wax.
0: Yeah, and you'd have the Gatsby kind of like black market dealers at school. Yeah, that's
3: right. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs>
0: all right. Um, uh, Well. I guess my first impression of you, Pauline.
3: I'm nervous, bro. It was
0: tough. I, I, well, I mean, like <laughs> I said, I think, like, I just knew you as part of like that group of you know friends with you know Joe and Shirley and them, and you were always mm. like the loudest one, and you were the one that was, uh, I think. Well, I was ta- me and Sid were kind of reflecting on this over dinner beforehand, and I was telling him that you were someone who, up until that point in my life, I hadn't I hadn't really met someone like you, so you kind of fell outside of. As bad as it sounds, the cliches. No, like all the boxes that I'd kind of place people in, like, you know, I'd meet someone and be like, oh yeah, they're this kind of person. I'd meet someone and be like, oh yeah, they're kind of that kind of person. And you were someone that felt outside of that. So I think I didn't really know how to interact with you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember that actually. It wouldn't be one of the first impression days, but I I mean, I want to share this. uh, I I know that's going on air, but I want to share this. I don't know if you remember this, Elon, but there was a phase where we were at uni where okay. things got quite intense with us and both of us couldn't be in the same room at the same time. Do you remember that?
1: We, oh. we were
3: in those breakout rooms in um, Oh damn. In OGGB Yeah. and then we would just get like, we couldn't be around each other because both of us were just so strong with our opinions. we just then, take like, each other just,
0: off, Yeah, uh,
3: and then we just had to walk away and I remember Joe saying, I wish you two would get along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think Yeah, because that that was quite an interesting thing, because first impressions and like our relationship, like our friendship definitely didn't start off that, uh, that smoothly, like you said, (laughs) (laughs) because, and I was trying to break it down, and I think it was, you know, you were someone who wasn't quite like anyone I'd met, and also because um, I think during that time when I was like 16, 17, I was just trying to figure out who I was, and I was just starting to kind of have influence, or like I thought that I was kind of like starting to be an Feeling like I was be, being becoming more of an influential person, and then so then I think with our friends, I guess most notably Joe, obviously, and, and we've said this a couple of times, is that you're you know a super influential influential person as well uh, to everyone that you meet. So, but because I didn't really quite know you, I was always very uh, I guess I was quite on edge because I'd be like, oh my gosh, like what's Paul- like where's Pauline gonna influence Joe or like where's Pauline gonna influence um, like my friends. Right.
2: Oh, wow. And I think, think,
0: well, this is like what I'm kind of realizing in retrospect. And then I was like, I think that led to some of that tension.
3: Wow. Um, Yeah. I mean, I do find, I find that I do get misunderstood a lot in in that way. Man, the fireworks in New Zealand make me miss New Zealand. You know, like over here, we're not really allowed to do fireworks. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: Too
0: dry. dry, I can hear your
3: fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So
0: shout out (laughs) shout out, Guy Fawkes, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Uh, that's...
3: Yeah. yeah, I think I think for me at that point in time, I just all all I can uh, reflect on now is both of us were very strong in our opinions, and I guess strong leaders in that sense. If I was to say it positively, yeah. Uh, in a more <laughs> negative way, I think back in the days would just be stubborn and and, 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 not, and
0: not understanding or empathetic. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and a little bit inconsiderate of each other.
1: Yeah.
0: Um.
3: Yeah. But yeah, I don't know the struggle that you had on your side. Actually, I didn't know the heart behind it and how actually um it it made you feel uncomfortable i just oh, knew oh, oh, that i we mean, mean honestly I,
0: I i don't think i knew either but it was only like i'm mm-hmm. trying to think back to it and i think it was like when we started i don't remember exactly how but i think it's you know as we realized over time and as we both became stronger in our faith it was like oh we're actually just on the same team mm. yeah and, and then after that it's just like oh yeah like it's it's all good like like you, I want, like you should influence people as much as possible. Like, including yeah. Joe. And I then, don't know.
3: I don't know what happened for me. I don't know when it happened for me.
0: It was probably, Maybe it, was like- it was probably my problem. So then for you, it was just like, once I stopped, <laughs> once I stopped being a duck, then it was fine.
1: <laughs> I think for me, it was
0: like,
3: oh, Joe is marrying him. I better let it go now. <laughs>
2: oh my, <laughs> my, oh my, did it take that long? I
3: thought, I thought we
0: were good. Wait, wait. No, no, I actually don't
3: remember. I don't remember.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so we, yeah, but, you know, here we are, so.
3: Yeah. I'm sure we'll Joe would be pleased Sorry to, to see that we are getting along.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, her final, her final, or oh, not her final wish, that sounds really morbid. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: her first wish, her actually, initial, with us. Yeah.
3: yeah. Her initial wish, oh, yeah. What about you, Sydney? I don't know if I would be as nervous with my impression.
2: <laughs> um, for me, it was, like, so, we met each other in high school, and I think it was through, like, Shirley as well. And basically, I think there was just this, like, there was this, like, X Factor with you. Because um, you'd be close friends of Shirley and stuff. But you'd also, it also feel like you were, like, friends of, like, everyone. And I think it was, I think because myself, like, I wanted to be friends with a lot of people as well. I was like, oh, <laughs> man, like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, what does Pauline have that, like, makes people so, like, I don't know what the word is but i guess attracted to her like drawn to i her. was like it's like damn i was like how do i how do i be a friend like that because i know that like even in um like orchestra and oh, all yeah. the other stuff you're involved in like you had close friends and mm. for me i didn't really have that many close friends it was just like one or two but then i was like whoa, mm. it feels like everyone like like talks to her and like hangs out with her
3: oh wow that's that's interesting how do you how come both of you remember me being an orchestra like we i don't think either of you were involved in music right no. Well I mean
2: it's I think it's It was one of how, the boxes I put you in. Yes how you remember me as like the guy who plays basketball.
3: basketball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So I like just carry my violin everywhere I went.
0: <laughs> no. No, well you actually did, right? I remember you actually like carrying an instrument quite often.
3: No, I was carrying chocolate boxes. I remember I had to like there was one point where I had oh, to yeah. uh, fundraise, yeah, fundraise for oh, yeah. for the trip to Singapore. Uh, yeah, and- <laughs> I think,
0: yeah. Okay, no, that must have been it, because it was always you guys like fundraising, and it was always the music people.
3: Yeah, and um, <clears throat> actually, during that time, it, it it was really crazy. Like, I think it was then that I knew of my influence. So, like, both of you guys kind of talked touched briefly on it. I I I didn't think I had such influence back then, but when I think back to it, I had like ten people in my team selling chocolate on my behalf, and I'm pretty sure. I fundraised about $2,000. Oh, and like cool. each box of chocolate was like, like maybe we earned like $18, I think, yeah. for a box. So like, Dude, that's you know, so much it's worth money. a
2: lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's bad connotations, but it sounds like, no, no, no. Like a multi level marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just started your own. It's only two levels, <laughs> though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's cool. Wow. Good times.
2: Well, one thing that we thought. Uh, why we would get Pauline to come on the podcast is, uh, you know, Elon mentioned it before, but I think one thing I admire about you, Pauline, is how you're not scared of change. So I know for for myself, I was, you know, considering like, oh, what if I move cities and all that sort of stuff, but because of COVID and stuff and other circumstances, we couldn't do it. But for you, despite the many obstacles and, and the many unknowns, um, you still um, went through with the change and, yeah so I thought today we could kind of talk a bit about that sort of journey and mm. yeah, and I guess the transition from corporate to um, where you are now,
0: yeah honestly, that is um, like I know I've been through you know that thought process a lot, and I think a lot oh, of people wow. going through their uh, you know their quarter life crisis, so to speak, you know, I went through that or that's what I like to call it anyway, where you start working in the job you studied for and then it's just like oh man is this going to be it for the next 40 years mm. and oh, wow and then uh, start, you start thinking about all your alternatives and and then it's like but there are these things and you weigh it up like uh you know your what do you call it oh my what is it called there's something something analysis what? it's just cost like the, yeah cost benefit oh my um <laughs> <laughs> that's why i'm on the pod too no. <laughs> yeah let's <that's cool>. go <laughs> uh you know all the pros and cons and then eventually it's just like oh yep so I guess that didn't happen and you're one of the few people I know that actually you know when you felt something tugging on your heart you ended up taking Mm. that that plunge into the next I guess the next phase of your life which was
1: yeah
0: I know not an easy thing so I thought yeah just be super interesting to I guess get your insights and kind of just hear your thoughts on on that whole journey so I guess maybe to kick off you know we mentioned it before but you started off studying well you studied four majors but you know it's just used one of them and you started off and <laughs> in the, in the you started off in the corporate world what kind of pushed you in that direction in the first place
3: right <clears throat> well you guys make me sound really impressive uh thanks uh, thanks for that that's also super encouraging um to hear um that i can be an encouragement to people but i think for me or my perspective in my own shoes i kind of go i just didn't know any other way like i kind of go I didn't think there was any other way of doing it to me. It's quite like, I I feel like simply put, I just went with the flow and that's where the flow was. (laughs) Uh, So, so as I, yeah, maybe talk to you a bit about my journey. You'll, you'll hear what I, what I mean by that. So, you know, even, why did I get into the corporate world? Well, everyone else is doing it. Uh, all, All I remember during that time was I want to get out of high school as soon as possible. I think I found it really boring going to all of the different periods every day. And I literally just go in, turn up to class and then leave. And then there was just, it just felt so restrictive. Um, And I I want to get out of high school as soon as possible. And so uh, yeah, we left in year 12, like Shirley, myself, Joe, and a couple of our friends all left um, in year 12. And, and for me, I, I I wanted to do psychology like so growing up I actually had this dream of being a clinical psychologist so mm-hmm. that was from like when I was mm, maybe in intermediate school right. and so well, I wanted why, to do why psychology. Did you, why did you have that dream? Mm-hmm. For me I think what I what I love is seeing people be able to find hope even though there's so much darkness in this world. So this is before mm. I was even a Christian. Yep. I just mm-hmm. wanted to help people. Um, I was really interested in the area of mental health, yep. uh, mm-hmm. and that really shaped uh, a lot of my life um, later on. But I also think it was because I watched this movie, or okay, maybe Rice it was Girl. a TVB drama or some sort. <laughs> but it was like a Hong Kong movie or drama where there was uh-huh. this uh, this female. Uh, so this actress where she was a main actress and her job was being psychiatrist or something and she looked super successful and I was like, oh, oh I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, so so that that's probably where it also came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to go into, you need to do psych, psychology uh, to work towards that. And then I actually went in wanting to major in economics as well because I was really good at it at, uh, right. in high school. And that was that was the class that I was in with Shirley as well. I was the economics of Shirley. Uh, but yeah, I was really good at it. And so that's what I wanted to do. But then things started morphing um, and turned into the four majors that I ended up with. And part of it, I reckon is that was really the beginning of my journey with the Lord. So I gave my life to Jesus in April that year. So we started uni in March. We were cool. chosen our subjects, etc. In April, that was when I gave my life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, I just always felt this tug that I wanted to do full-time ministry, to be honest. I do not mm. know what it was. Um, and I thought, at that point in time, I thought every Christian wanted to do it. Mm. I mm-hmm. thought everyone wants to make disciples of all nations because that's all what Christians want to do. So everyone wants to get into full-time ministry and make disciples of all nations. That's <laughs> how simple my mind actually was. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I knew that I needed to go through the journey. And what I mean by that is, one, kind of do what everyone else was doing. But two, in particular, with what my parents invested into me, yeah. um, mm. I know that they gave up a lot for my life. And I appreciate them a lot for that. And because of that, I wanted to make sure that I was doing, like, I was doing the best to steward what they had given me. Like, they mm. invested so much in my tuitions, they invested so much and making sure that I was going to do do well in school, what for? Mm, for a brighter mm. future. And so yeah. for me, it was like, okay, if I get a good job with good pay, I'll have a brighter future. And that's what they've invested into. Yeah. So I did struggle a lot, actually, at that point. And I just said mm-hmm. to God, I don't think right now is the time for me to go to Bible college. I don't think there's anything like that really, like and none of the syllabus seems to... Uh, fit with what I want to do. I don't really know. I don't feel drawn to anywhere in particular, but mm-hmm. in particular, I don't think my family or was ready for, it, or myself in terms of my maturity. I think even I, I, I understand the wise words of my parents in saying, you don't know what you want yet in life. Mm-hmm. Not that I actually you articulated were, yeah, this to them. Because
0: you're only 17, right? At the time.
3: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think even like people at church would have said the same thing. Uh, it's better right. for you to, to get a degree first and then, and then have a look at what you want to do.
0: Just because we're, so Chin- we're, we're in a Chinese church. Maybe.
1: That's kind of yeah.
0: crazy though. So, so if I'm um, understanding you right, it's almost like, as almost as soon as you became a Christian, that was like one of the first things on your on your mind is kind of like, oh, like if I'm a Christian, therefore now it's time for full-time ministry. Like that's what, that's what Christians do, right? We go out and we, Spend all yeah. our time doing hmm. things for God. Yeah, like, I got a, that's, it. <laughs> that's crazy because that is not, I would say, the typical um thought process that people have. And have, it probably yeah. and it probably should be, but typically people put a lot more things in front of themselves as obstacles.
3: Right. So that's what I mean, but I just went with the flow. Like actually my mind is a lot more simple than what it seems. I, I think at least. So I just, I gave my life to Jesus, right? So in that, uh-huh. then I go, I gave my life to him. So <laughs> like my whole yeah. life is his. You yeah. know, I suppose that. Yeah. <laughs> and so whatever he wants me to do, I'll just do. I suppose yeah. that. And so that was mostly my thought process. And even like being in part of the corporate world, I remember graduating and saying yeah. to God, but you want me in full-time ministry, right? So what am I going to do? Now I've graduated and I needed to choose a career pathway. I didn't need to find a job. What am I going to do? And that was how I landed with the marketing stuff because I couldn't, like, mm. I was just process of elimination, couldn't do anything. Mm. And then at one point, I was just very blessed by um, my workplace. Like, when I was working at Knowles as a salesperson, they really valued me and gave me an opportunity to marketing in the head office. And that was yeah. really crazy. Like, it just kind of fell. And I was like, yeah. okay, God, like, if I didn't even – I, I, if I didn't even like, it it wasn't something that I felt like I had to rush towards or like work really hard towards. It just kind of fell and it felt so right. Um, Right. I'm just going to be obedient and I'm going to do this for a while. And so I remember working there and most days actually asking God, okay, like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy here. How long do you want me to be here for? Like I almost knew that yeah. that wasn't where i was going to be uh for like it was in your long
0: term destiny yeah. mm-hmm. so i guess yeah you went through that phase where right at the start you already you had this kind of mission that you felt called to mm-hmm. and then you at the same time you're like hang on though like my parents have put me sc- through school for a reason
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so you've kind of felt like you had to you know g- get into that corporate world and work for a while you know and and then as you mentioned you know you were on this you know, quite an intimate journey with your faith as well, where you were asking God, Hey, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm. So was it just one day you just asked him, Hey, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? He's just like, Oh, actually.
3: <laughs> <go>
0: do this. <laughs> okay, like, y- yeah. 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 So, so how did that, how did that go for the, I guess the next step? Mm.
3: Well, what's interesting is I've always had a really close relationship with my parents actually. And the way where they knew my heart and they knew where I was going, uh-huh. but it was mm-hmm. kind of always the elephant in the room. Like I remember little remarks that dad might make and be like, do you want to be a pastor? Like, is that what you want to do? And I'd be like, I don't know. I <laughs> mean, the reality yeah. I was like, Did I didn't know, but I also just didn't know how to handle those questions. Cause I, I always found it difficult to like explain uh, because they, they don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. And so uh, yet, Uh, but uh, for me at that time like to try and articulate to them was quite difficult but they had this this feeling and 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 I I knew as well but Mm. both of us just kind of or both sides we just kind of there's just an elephant in the room and then we just kind of get on with it and I always wanted to move away um and a, a lot of it was to do with their observation on me, actually. Like, they would say things like, you're spending a lot of time in church. And I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and, then, and then it'd be like, you care more about church stuff than you do about your work. I'm like, kind of. And then <laughs> over time, I realized, like, through their observations of me, and, you know, people you live with are the people who observe you the most. Yeah. And I was just like, it's true. Like, what they're saying is true. My heart isn't even, like in the corporate space it's not there and they mm. knew it and mm. and i knew it <clears throat> and so for me i was just kind of waiting but doing my part at work and i don't know if anyone who worked at Knowles would be listening to this that they might because uh we're still connected on instagram but yeah they might remember uh, when i was there i used to have this uh, little corner and i would have this bookshelf and then I had like these books and snacks there and I had a bean bag and a little blanket there. And people would like come up to me and just chat about like stress or anything that was going on at work. And I would just pour out love and care on them. And Mm -hmm. so like, and also because I had a really loud laugh, I mean, I still do, but because I had a loud (laughs) laugh, like a lot of people knew who I was and felt that they could find comfort in, in, in me. And so a lot of people hung out in my little corner and then I would uh, I would just share the love of Jesus, really. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, you need to know Jesus. It was more, uh, they knew I was Christian because I was very overt Christian. Uh, but at, and at the same time, I was able to spread that love to them. And so for me, I felt I was doing my part in that and then mm. trying to be a faithful worker. But I struggled. Like, to be honest, I struggled to be a faithful worker because a lot of the time my heart wasn't like focused on, did we hit the 1.6 million sales this week? Like it was more like, hmm, this girl is struggling with her journey with Jesus. What can I do to help her? Mm -hmm. And so I think with that tension, that was when I figured at one point it it just doesn't feel right anymore. In fact, Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't doing my job like justice in a way. Like I, I felt like, I almost felt sometimes that I was hiding stuff from my boss, which wasn't true. Like she, she knew my manager, all my managers were always very supportive of my faith. Um, mm-hmm. They knew what I was doing, but you know, like I would go to work at seven thirty early so that I could get off work early. So I could prepare for things for church at night. And I'd be so tired because the night before I would have been doing all of this other ministry stuff. And I just mm. wasn't giving my hundred percent cause my heart wasn't really there. And so what happened was at one point I just had this realization and it was a transition of like the CEO, the, the group CEO uh, of the company. And um, back then uh, you guys may may remember Mark Powell, who is uh, a Christian and he mm-hmm. uh, he was very uh, strong with making sure actually the faith uh, values were also incorporated in our business. And, uh, and our slogan was make Kiwi Lives Better. Mm-hmm. And I a, and as he as he left, things changed a little bit. And I don't want to go into details of that, but I started thinking more and I right. a, about what I was doing. And I started thinking of the slogan, Make Kiwi Lives Better. And I was like, Make Kiwi Lives Better by getting them a fridge at a time, getting a TV at a time. And I was just mm. like, I was convinced that we were making kiwi lives better by providing appliances for them for their homes Mm -hmm. and serving their needs but the reality is i couldn't sit with that like i couldn't sit with that going what i'm doing week in week out is going hey you don't like your old tv buy a new one you don't like your old fridge buy a new Mm. one and and i just and and as a role the marketer Mm. that was what i was selling yeah yeah
0: yeah
3: i'm like just the whole
0: consumer culture right yeah that's right
3: and so i'm like can i move that that marketing skill to actually share what i know will for sure make lives better yeah Mm. make kiwi lives better which i believe Mm. is a gift of jesus and to actually be able to do that with my Mm. whole heart which is Mm. what i really want to do and I just said to God, like at, at that time, I was like, is it time now? Cause like, I feel like I've done all that I can at, at, at work in terms of sharing his love. Like I, I, I shared it a lot. And, and we were going through a, a rough time in terms of restructuring and everything. And, mm. and I just, <clears throat> this, this job ad just popped up and I was marketing manager at Christians against poverty. And I was like, Oh, Okay. That sounds like <laughs> this will definitely make your life better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just made sense, and I, yeah. I I looked at it and I just yeah I applied and um, through wrestling a bit I I actually yeah so so I went in the interview and I just remember going this is this is amazing this is this is actually perfect uh, but the wrestle was you know Christian organisations versus corporate. Salary is just not there. Like it's not. It, mm. it it can never compare. Yeah. And I was doing really well. Actually, I was doing really well at Moles. Um. As much as I said, I didn't feel like my full heart was there. I was doing mm. well. Like I I gave it my all, and mm. uh, I was really faithful in doing what I was doing. And you know, I had a good relationship with everyone there, and mm. I was doing well. And so, it was really tough to be honest because as much as it felt so right, Mm. there is always that aspect of, am I going to survive? Like, is is, is this going to be, how am I going to maintain my life as an adult? Even though I was living under the roof of my parents, but going, what does the future look like? Because in the corporate, you just work and you just work your way up. You know, Mm. in kind of ministry organizations, you work your way up-ish, but not really. You just you, mm. Like you, you kind of just settle a little bit as well in terms yeah. of like yeah. with with the money, but that yeah. that's it's tough not because it's like because yeah.
0: profit because profit is not the end goal of these companies, right? So then they're never yeah, going right. to be able to share those profits, yeah. which don't exist with the employees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
3: yeah, so it was a big wrestle. Um, but I just knew that that was where I needed to be, and i knew that i would be happier there because i was actually able to incorporate my heart into it as well
2: before you keep going because um, i know for a lot of people that may be in the situation where you know it's it's going well but you're dissatisfied about certain parts of the job so I know mm-hmm. um, Elam in the past like he wasn't like invigorated by his work and he you know mm. wanted to pursue like personal training and all that sort of stuff mm. like for you how did you overcome or like did you ever feel like you were in the trap of like the grass is greener or like that you would never be satisfied
3: in terms of when I moved into the Christian organization
2: yeah like before you moved on to that did you feel like oh am I just having these thoughts because Um, you know, there's these little parts of the job, which are niggling away at me, but actually I'm, I'm doing pretty well, which is what you mentioned. So is your
0: question more like, how did you overcome those, um, like that barrier that would have stopped her from jumping into another job? So for example, it's kind of like, Oh Mm. now the income's pretty good. Yeah. Like if I stay here for a year or two more, I'm going to be able to live this kind of life. Um, I'm still Mm. doing Christian ministry, you know, I'm still investing Mm. into people at work. Mm. I'm still doing my stuff at church. You know, mm. am I sure that God's not just asking me to stay in mm. goals? Yeah. Is that what you're asking, Is it Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah.
3: Cool. I, I personally think, and I can't speak for everyone, but yeah. for, for me in my particular situation, I felt that those were excuses of denial of what was actually happening in my life.
2: Right, I, right. I
3: think you can explain away conviction. I do feel mm. that. You can be convicted and you can explain it away. And for Mm. me, that would have been what it would be, explaining it away and go, no, like I'm still able to share faith in my work. I'm still able to, but I knew in my heart, the conviction is I want to do something more Mm. for the kingdom that is not just in the the marketplace. So I, I, I want to also say, I believe people can make kingdom impact in the marketplace, not just by spreading the gospel. I believe keeping the economy going. I believe that the financial stuff, I believe like people, uh, accountants or marketers or whoever your role in in the marketplace is important. So I I believe that. I don't think everyone needs to drop off work and get into full-time ministry. But my personal conviction was Mm. that I I needed to do that. And then Mm. the question I would ask is, what am I created for? Mm, yeah and that was a question that asked myself what am I created for is it this is this it Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying I didn't make an impact there but I just knew in my heart that there was something else and so that was when I I I went into that Christian organization Christians Against Poverty and and fought for people who were in poverty Uh, but during that time I also knew that really my heart was for the youth as much as I care about those in poverty, <laughs> my heart was for the youth and in particular those who've grown up um, not realising the restrictions that they had um, and the mm. upbringing that caused them to have a distorted understanding of God. And I wanted to be part of that. And in particular youth with mental health issues, that, that's something that is my my personal passion um Mm -hmm. and seeing youth set free from that and so that kind of
0: started like actually it's quite um interesting now just hearing (coughs) stuff from end to end because that started Mm -hmm. very early on right from your dream of being a clinical psychologist that's
3: right you know aside Mm -hmm.
0: from the the chinese drama the other thing you said is that you're, you're keen to you know help people's lives get better. Wait, watch yes. Honey Drama.
3: No, I was talking about the movie <laughs> or the TV. I don't actually know oh, what it right, was. Right. I think it was a movie. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that, yeah. like what yeah. you also
0: said was you were just keen to help people. I think what you said was see see some light in like this, the, mm, the darkness, yeah. dark the situations. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like almost come back to that as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. And exactly that. Like I wasn't a Christian then, but th- that's why I say the question is what am I created for? Because yeah. I was created with a purpose mm. and that purpose was already being unfolded from the beginning. It's not, it doesn't just happen when someone becomes a Christian. I, I feel like there is often this misconception that when you become a Christian, because the oldest God and the new has come, you like give up everything in your old life. And then yeah. you're like, go, go and, like be a christian like you know like kind of like what monks do maybe do it's our things yeah, yeah yeah like maybe it's our asian culture that we see monks do that like give up their life and they just mm-hmm. go and go up to the mountains and meditate all day long and it, it, it's not like that i don't see it that way i believe that god created each and every one of us with a purpose and that, that has to do with the passions we have in life and i know some people try to hide it away like some people might have a cooking passion but they're like you know, it doesn't fit in with the rest of my life. I'm, I'm an accountant mm. who likes, loves to cook. What am I going to do with that? I can't be a chef. And it's like, well, actually, it, this isn't just outwork as part of your career. You can be an accountant who does a hospitality thing after work and, and invite people over cook for them and bless them and things like that. So, yeah, in that way, I, I guess the Lord has always moved me towards this way. And so when mm. I had an opportunity to jump into um, – the rice movement really focusing on youth uh in particular third culture youth who who struggle between cultures like eastern growing up in the west which you know is a story for all of us do do Uh,
0: you want to actually maybe spend a couple moments maybe explaining what rice is and how that came into your life because you're currently working at cap or cap short for christians against poverty and yeah yeah at some point rice kind of came in and then i just remember you were just like almost from the get-go, it felt like you were already in the position you are in now, like executive or executive
2: <laughs> yeah. director or something. Uh,
3: so <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, Yeah, so the Rise Movement, we are a movement that's about uniting the churches, uh, uniting the churches to empower the next generation and to spread the gospel, but also uh, championing the Asian voice is part of one of our... Uh, pillars and what what that really means isn't just going we're asians we're the best it's not that it's actually so many of us have grown up in the west where we've had to suppress our Asianness. so i don't know if you guys were bullied at school i was definitely bullied at school like because my english mm-hmm. wasn't that great and i was bullied and and with that often people like us we grow up then going oh i need to speak better english so i'm just gonna let go of all my chinese and mm. Uh, I'm glad I didn't do that but yeah a lot of people did and yeah and with that suppressing a lot of the Asianness, I just want to be whitewashed etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and I, I, and I
0: definitely I definitely <laughs> went through that phase and then I, I've been yeah, trying, I was waiting
3: I've for been, you to say that I've been, been to
2: reclaim
0: it, I've been trying to reclaim my uh my Asian-ness you know over the actually like meeting around the yeah. time when I was meeting you guys when I was when I started being like, well, hold up, I actually am an Asian and yeah. I want to be proud to be an Asian. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, right. I, I used to look down, like when people at school were like talking, you know, Chinese or Cantonese, I used to be like, oh, you know, this bloody Asian. <laughs>
2: oh my. Oh dear. I to, yeah, I used to be one of those guys, so. You, you can see it classically, like, um, like we mentioned in the Kiwi Asian episode, like, you know, we'd have like rice for lunch, but then we'd actually request like sandwiches because we didn't want yeah. to have like those rice containers. Like we didn't yeah. want to bring it we don't want to have the odour or the smell. Like yeah. it was just like even yeah, though just man, give me like, a objectively, cheese sandwich. like, you know, the, the those rice meals were just so
0: much There was they were just so good. Like they were yeah, way better. True. The, like <laughs> you know, like parents would even, you know, like put that in those like warm containers so they'll stay yeah. warm at like, by lunchtime. It's just like Yeah. So no. Yeah, no, no, t- no. So we yeah. definitely we definitely relate to what you're saying.
3: Yeah. I was gonna say, Elim, like I, I, I remember that like that that phase for you even like I think even when I met you you were kind of like yeah I'm just moving out of it yeah. but yeah so with that um a lot of youth in particular don't celebrate themselves they don't celebrate mm. who God created them to be and when you then get rejected from the Western culture because you're not really Western and then you go into the Eastern culture and you're not really Eastern and that's mm. where your identity is mm. you lose your identity. You're like who am I even? I'm just rejected everywhere and so in that, uh, we we find that a lot of people lose their identity and we're saying to them, your identity is actually in your creator
1: mm-hmm. and
3: your identity is in Christ. And for me, maybe I'm focusing a lot more on this particular part of our, our movement, even though there's a lot of things that our movement does. But for me, seeing youth be able to find the identity in their creator just brings me so much joy because... Mm-hmm. A lot of people, that, that's why a lot of youth actually ha- have mental health uh, issues because they, they just reject themselves. And then depression, anxiety, of anxiety of not being someone who they want to be but actually mm. isn't naturally them and, yeah. then, and then end up rejecting their lives. And, and, and for me, I, I want to bring about a change in that area so, the rights movement is, is a global movement uh, where, across different cities, from, from, started from Sydney, went to Melbourne, and then Auckland, and uh, Perth, and Sao Paulo, in Brazil at the moment. Uh, mm. And we're looking to see how uh, we can continue expanding, um, COVID permitting, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you know, we're trying to not let that be a barrier. But th- my story slightly, it's, it's quite interesting, but I, I'm going to keep it short, uh, because yeah. just for the purposes of the podcast, But I was part of, so I wanted to be part of the Rice Movement because I wanted my youth to be part of the Rice Movement. So I actually met the Rice Movement in Melbourne. I was on holiday and one weekend I, I was on holiday and I wasn't able to go to church because my host wasn't a Christian. I didn't know what church to go to. So I just looked up Christian events. Uh, around Melbourne and there was this prayer and worship thing going on uh, and I knew that it was safe because my the people I was living with was we going to be around in the city at the same time so so I just I remember saying to them like the, the title said rice movement launch day and I was like I literally the only word I know from this Facebook event is day I don't know what rice movement launch means. Like I was like, I don't know what that means. Like a rocket launching? Like what is this? And I remember messaging (laughs) them going, I'm from New Zealand. It sounds like this is a Perth, I mean a Melbourne thing, uh, or I, I don't know. Uh can I come anyway? And then they replied back saying, uh sure you can come. But we're launching in Melbourne. And I'm like, I don't even know what launching means. Like what does that even mean? And so I went there and it turns out a whole bunch of Sydney people from Rice Movement was launching the thing and uh, launching the movement in Melbourne. Mm. And that's what it meant. And I was like, oh, so that's why it's really weird that I'm here. But I remember watching what it did for the youth. And I remember standing there just feeling for my youth because I was a youth leader at that time. And I remember two of my, um, two of the kids that I was leading, who's no, no longer kids now, but, they were telling me that they wanted to give up dancing, uh, when they go to uni because you know, they, they have to pursue a career. And I was like, mm. no, you can glorify God with dancing. And I saw what the rice women were doing. I was like, they glorify God by dancing. We can do the gospel through dancing. Let's do this. And I remember just going, I'm going to pray. And cause I, there was this, there was a section with this segment where they were like, pray for your city, whether you're from Sydney or Melbourne, Pray for your city as pray to see revival there. And I was like, I'm praying for Auckland. And so I remember <laughs> praying for Auckland, thinking about my youth and then going back to Auckland. And I remember introducing it to my youth and going, even if the don't come to Auckland, because they don't have plans to, like they were an Australian thing. Mm. Even if they don't come to Auckland, do we want to start something here? If we do, uh, like we did that, we did that, um, uh, we did that, into church worship thing, right? We, we, we did that together, yeah. actually. Yeah. Three, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. A holy God night. So we did yeah, that yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, we could we could totally pull this off. And then all my youth, uh, that night at youth group, we like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And then a few months later, uh, Steve came. And I, I I think I may have seen it, Elam, on your on your brother Enoch's uh, Facebook. And I was like, oh, Steve Charles from the Rice Movement is here in Auckland. What is going on? And I went to, to, to meet them <laughs> and, and I said to him, I actually said to him, I want my youth to be part of this movement, not me, not for me, just for them.
1: Yeah. But mm.
3: things kind of evolved and then from there on I realised that I was so invested in this that
1: yeah.
3: even when I wasn't a staff, I was doing what a staff did. Like what you were saying, Elon. Like even from the get-go, I just really got so invested in it. It didn't make sense for me to then be toiling somewhere else and and actually be doing this thing on the side, like volunteering,
1: yeah.
3: you know, like 35 hours kind of thing, like yeah, doing yeah, this yeah. while I was having another like 38 hour job and because, just going. Because
0: yeah. essentially you'd kind of like really found your calling, right? Like over this journey of kind of figuring out where God mm. wanted to lead you and what you were created for. You felt exactly. like, okay, yeah, this was it. And you'd felt Yeah. It.
3: That's right. Like, it all ties together.
0: Yeah. So, so I guess then, um, you know, a question that uh, I would have, and it you know, links in from the stuff we were asking before is, mm. um, again, what at this moment, how did you, because I guess it, it almost goes from, you know, corporate, you know, you're kind of getting paid, and then you've got this path in front of you, and then you're going into a Christian organization, but it's still like, a, you know, like a proper job. Yeah, that's that right. It pays yeah. you a salary, and then, you yeah, know, you can right. still pay the bills, and yeah. and then now you're kind of jumping one more. Like you were saying, okay, I'm already volunteering so many, so many hours. Mm. Should I just go all in? Uh, you know, what mm. was that? Was there a job waiting for you? or Yeah, uh, was there nothing? you have to make your own job? And what kind of doubts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess even like, yeah, with like your family, was there, because, you know, we're Asians. And, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to this are, um, I mean, you don't have to be Asians, but I think
2: Asians are a lot more, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, conservative and it's kind of like yeah. what you said like your parents have you know well your parents just want like i think every yeah, sort of aspirations for their kids you know to yeah, do well and, and yeah they like, just want
0: what's best for their kid right and yeah you know from from your parents perspective it's if they don't have that same heart that you had and the same faith mm-hmm. that you had it's kind of like who's jesus and why did my daughter give her life to this yeah <laughs> that's, that's yeah. right that, yeah, that's, yeah. that
3: was tough yeah, yeah honestly that was really tough Um, I think uh, I'll I'll start with the financial and the whole job thing. There was not a job waiting for me. Right. So that was interesting. Um and I kept saying to Steve, I mean, I really want to invest all my time into this, but I can't because you don't have a job waiting for me. And then he was like, You can do internship. And I was like, Yes, I can, but you didn't hear me. I said there's no job waiting for me. And uh actually what happened was the day the day that they offered me my internship in Auckland. So I ended up applying for internship because I was like, Okay, fine, like I'm just going to be obedient and I'm going to be submissive to this. And at least I just apply for it. And, 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 and you know, I can pull out, like I can pull out after applying, but i apply this, for this it. This doesn't pay you, right? Yeah. So this was two day a week.
0: Yeah. And I was like, mm. I don't
3: know how I'm going to work this out. Maybe uh, because my job at that time was flexi hours. So okay, I right. actually was able to spare a couple of hours, uh, maybe one day off and then, and then spare a couple of hours. And I then talked to my manager about it and he said, look, obviously we want you to do uh, five days a week, but if you have to do four days, we're going to support you anyway. Uh, because mm. We love what you do. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll apply for this. And I'm only cutting one, one day a week of pay. Should be okay, really. And then on that day, I actually got offered a job with the rights movement. And I don't remember if it was an opening or they made a job for me or somehow it happened and it was a three day a week job. So I was like, okay, cool, I got a job. But I didn't think it through because maybe my math isn't that great. So I was like, okay, great, I got a job with the rights movement. This is going to be okay. But what I didn't think through was that meant I went from five days to four days to three days. And I was like, oh, okay, now what am I going to do? Uh, and at at that point in time, uh, yeah, I I had some future plans. Um, and, um, and I was dating at that time and we had discussed about our future and it seemed like financially we're going to be okay. And I was just having, I would just take the plunge and to, to take on this job. Right. But like it it was definitely something that I I had to think through and then the, the, the whole other thing is what Elam had mentioned. Look, I, I wouldn't say my parents gave me a lot of pressure in that sense. Mm. I would say I gave myself a lot of pressure
1: right. and
3: I don't know if they actually know this. Maybe they do cause they do know me really well um, because they watched me my whole life. But I knew that my parents gave up almost everything for me like my parents actually retired when I was almost like a a year or two after I was born and so they gave up everything to invest in me and my brother Mm. uh but in particular I felt a lot of that for for me because you know that was it was around that time that I was born and they were they went through everything with me you know all my violin lessons all my ballet lessons not that anyone would know that I did ballet really? at one oh point in my. my life. <laughs> 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 well, don't worry, I gave that up to do kung fu. Oh uh,
0: my! <laughs> fun facts, facts about Pauline.
3: And then, like you know, went through all the tuitions and everything, and all they want is a bright future for me. And I felt that pressure on myself. I think I, I would say I put it on myself because I'm like, I don't want them to worry, and I knew they would worry. And they weren't worried. Like, they would always assure me and say, we don't need your money. We don't need you to pay the bills. But you will need to eventually pay your own bills. Yeah. And I was like, I-, I get it, mom and dad. I get it. Um. And, and so I felt what they were feeling. And I think at one point, it, it was hard for them to know that I knew what they were saying because I was still doing what if opposite. I yeah because like technically if you understand that what you're doing right now is meaning that you're not gonna have a stable future if you really understood that you wouldn't do it but for me it was like i understand that but i'm I'm gonna do it anyway
2: right right right
3: and and almost say to them you've got to trust me but it's like how do i say that though like you're going to trust me, but you will only know 30 years down the track that I'm actually going to be able to be okay. And you kind of, yeah. um,
0: and, and you kind of knew that because you had kind of your complete trust in God, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. You were kind
0: of like God's going to got this, but then your parents didn't have that same relationship. So you couldn't yeah. really
2: use that logic. on there. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say like, um, i think it's really interesting because like just from what you're describing like it almost felt like i can't think of a good phrase for it It felt like you were in this like you were never like too comfortable with where you were like mm-hmm. it felt like you were always in a bit of um discomfort's not the right word but like you were never sold onto one position and you never felt like it never felt like for you like you could move around quite quickly and mobilize So, say like mm-hmm. you you had your jo- job at no leaving and then and then, and then it's like, oh, like something came up at Cap and it's like, okay, well, I, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to um, downplay the fact that it was a big decision to move from mm-hmm. one job to mm-hmm. the other. Yeah. But um, I think it would be also good to like hear from you because it's so clear to me now, like I know for a lot of us, it's so hard to let go of what we have. And I think, yeah. but, but letting go is actually one of the things that like God wants us to do. And I think for us, like, for me, like, if I was to do an OE, like, if I was to let something go, so I'd be letting, uprooting myself, but then there was something to gain on the other side. So did you feel like there was something for you to gain?
3: Yeah, right.
2: Or was it just, like, not even, not even, like, that's, like, not, that's, like, completely off the mark?
3: (laughs) I think what I would say to that is it was very apparent to me that it seemed really silly in the eyes of the world. Right. Because... Like what Elam has highlighted, mom and dad want the best for me. They do. They love me. They want the best for me. And I love them. And I want them to not have to worry about me. Mm. Mm. But what they saw was my daughter has given her life to this God Mm. and then gave up everything in her life when God is supposed to bless her.
1: Yeah. Mm.
3: And they... I I wouldn't be surprised if they struggled to see the blessings. Now, I've never asked them this. Uh, I've never asked whether they could see that God actually blessed me a lot. Um, Mm. But I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't see it. And they would ask me, why are you pouring out so much? Like, they didn't understand it. They're not necessarily asking because they're going, I don't agree with what you're doing. Stop it. It was just they actually didn't understand. Why Mm. would you give Mm. up so much of your time Almost laying yourself down for all of these other people. Whereas in my world, I'm like, I don't know how to answer this question because
0: what what are you getting in return, right?
3: Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how to answer this question because that's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for us. Mm. He who was God Himself, but laid down his life for us so that we could have a personal relationship with him. And Mm. that gained so much more. But in the eyes of the world, it didn't. He Mm. died a very bloody death on the cross. There was a lot of pain and bloodshed. And and in the eyes of the world, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know how to articulate that to someone who isn't a believer. But to answer your question, Sid, I would say I just knew that if I wasn't going down this path, uh, Mm -hmm. I was actually giving up. Who I was created to be. Mm. So mm. the loss would be my identity. The loss would be the core of who I am, and that costed so much more than if I were to be obedient
1: mm. and
3: and to and to go down this path. Yeah. Uh, and, and in terms of what I would gain from it, I would say maybe because I wasn't actually that good at economics after all, and I I wasn't good at math. The whole the whole <laughs> was it cost cost. Benefit analysis. analysis? I, just, I, ne- yeah. I never did that kind of thing in my life. <laughs> no. uh, I yeah. I just I was just like this is where I'm supposed to be, and mm. and 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 knowing that you know God is going to make my path straight, straight, and knowing that He is there is yeah. all that I need to know because wherever He is, that's going to flourish, and there's yeah. there. and and going to be blessings there, and I'm just going to be yeah, and 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 as much as there's a lot of hardship. Like I love it and, and yeah. I just feel so at peace with it uh, versus the whole tug in my heart and going, nah, I'm just going to be in denial. I'm just going to yeah. keep pushing it away. That's so mm. much more tiring. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. I re- I really resonate with the, the, the point of, you know, the parents really not understanding what mm. like we're investing because I kind of get those questions as well from my parents too. Like, mm. And I think, yeah, I mean, in, in the world's eyes, it, it does seem silly. Like, why am I, you know, giving money to the church? Why am I spending so much time? Why am I investing so much time? Like, if I've got a mortgage, shouldn't I be putting, <laughs> like, money into that? Like, why, mm. like, pay it off faster and then, and then you can, like, invest your money into more charities and, like, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, definitely um, understand that it's quite a struggle.
3: But, I, you know, I, I've learnt now that actually my parents just want me to be happy. Hmm. so hmm. that's a very recent Boom. thing that i've I've been feeling like they just want me to be happy and they they feel that in order for me to be happy success and and would, would probably stability would ensure that i will be happy but now uh, i feel that they're quite happy with where i'm at because they can see i'm happy they they're can kind of, see yeah. i'm satisfied yeah, yeah they kind of that's realize awesome.
0: hold up yes it's it's actually not these things that we thought it's now what pauline's doing and she's living authentically and you know being who she believes even if they don't believe it that she believes that mm-hmm. god made her to be and that you can just and she can they can probably just feel that joy from you right like even in this podcast just hearing you talk about mm. um you know what you do and just your passion for people yeah i think it like yeah i mean anyone listening to you talk can kind of feel that i think feel that joy <laughs> feel that happiness from me
3: mm. yeah totally
0: um and and like Pauline it's been really really awesome just hearing you know your journey and yeah we could probably be be here for a few more hours um (laughs) if time allowed but uh probably just to head into the the final bits of this episode do you Mm. have any I guess challenges or maybe Mm. any like food for thought that you'd like to encourage people listening to think about
3: yeah, sure. I I, I do. I, I want to actually address something that Sydney mentioned earlier um, in the podcast. In the okay, beginning, uh-huh. he was saying how um, people often have a fear of change, and I would just I literally just had this conversation with someone a few hours ago. I said to her, "You're not afraid of change," and then she's like, "Huh?" And I was like change isn't what you're afraid of because change is happening all the time she was telling me that she wasn't happy with where she is at work and just where yeah just her career and where that was going and she's like but I don't want to try another job because I'm afraid of change Mm. I said change is happening all the time in fact things have changed for you already you changed Mm. at your current job you went from happy to unhappy that's change and she's Mm. like yeah that's so true and Mm. I said you're afraid of something else and I'm like what are you actually afraid of are you afraid of?" Uh, are you afraid of trying a new job and then realizing you don't like it? Well, the reality is you don't like your current job anyway. <laughs> and then I was like, or oh, are you afraid that you're going to fail at that job? Or what are you afraid of? Mm. And I think for a lot of us, we have this concept that when you've locked something in, you cannot reverse it. Mm. And it's almost like, even when like we might go to a restaurant and choose food and it's like, <laughs> it's like, am I gonna have the udon today, or am I gonna have the ramen today? Oh my it's like, yeah, that's hard. Oh, yeah. What am I gonna choose? Because like, it's
0: like, yeah, because it's like, you, you, or for me, I, I'm worried. If I pick this, what could have been like? If I yeah. if I've had the udon before and I know it's good, but then I pick the ramen and I know, and I'm like, oh my, this is not as good. Yeah. So then, then I just you're like, then it's just like yeah, and then, <laughs> and then like for changing job as well, it's kind of like that. That's something I would be afraid of. Is what if I do this job and it's just not as good mm. or not. It yeah it doesn't take as many boxes yeah well,
3: well let's take that analogy and and you know what what's funny is you know you go you got you can just go to the same place again actually and just order, <laughs> order the udon again next time so really yeah. like this whole concept of but i missed out but it's like mm. really like in the scheme of things i don't remember what i ate three years ago and i don't remember what i picked on the menu and i don't remember the struggle i had but let's take this analogy for example right The thing Uh is, I am bored of the udon and I want change. Now, I don't want to try the ramen in case it's not as good. But what I'm saying is, I know that this is comfortable for me. And I don't want to move into something that's uncomfortable. But the reality is, you don't like the udon. Like, you were bored of it anyway. So why don't you change the ramen? You don't like it? Okay, why don't you change to the teriyaki chicken or rice? Why don't you change? Why don't you change? I'm getting hyped. <laughs> why yeah, don't you change ball. it like, yeah, Pokeball, so sashimi, like why don't you change until you go, oh, that hits the spot. I I oh, I, I think we have this concept because we've seen the previous generation whom I respect so much. Hmm. I I totally respect the fact that there are people who can stick to a career for 20 30 years in their life. I, I don't know how they do it. But hmm. that, that was really the norm um, for the previous yeah, generation. Yeah, and we watch that and we go, we learn from that and we go, people stick to the careers 20, 30 years in life. We should do that in our life. But there's a changing face of the world. That's not what things are like now. And why hmm. are we so afraid of, of change when change isn't what we're afraid of. We're actually afraid that we won't find what we like. We're afraid that we won't be successful. We're we're afraid of the unknown. That's what we're Mm. actually afraid of. We're afraid, really, ultimately, I'm going to be bold to say this, we're afraid of not being in control. That's what we're afraid of.
2: Mm. Right.
3: We we think we're in control when something is very comfortable. Yeah. But we're afraid of the unknown because we're afraid of not being in control. And if things shift and change and shift and change, and you just feel like, oh my goodness, I'm in the storm. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I don't know mm. what the next step is. I don't know what the next step is. But for, for me, I'm speaking, I'm speaking for me because I, obviously I don't know how everyone else uh, yeah, processes things with the Lord. But I kind of go to the space where I go, the only constant in life is change. The only other constant in life is God. And he is the Uh same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. And even as the world has changed from the beginning of time, when it was just the Garden of Eden to, you know, we've got Zoom Mm. now. (laughs) Even (laughs) as things have changed, God is constant. And the safest place to be is where God is. Mm. And so to have fear of change really is no fear. Like it's not the fear of change at all. It's actually going, I want to be comfortable with what I know. But mm. if what you know is God is always in control and always mm. going to give you the best and best, not necessarily meaning best in the eyes of the world, but best as of what you are created for being the best, like, you know, the other day, like I had my friends telling me, you got to try this durian. It's the best durian. And I'm like, I don't like durian. Stop making me eat durian. Oh, <laughs> like, no. Let me, I just want to <laughs> eat my light cheese. And, and, and and they're like but you gotta try it like it's the best and i'm like mm. all right like you malaysians really like, and oh. like i really i'm just gonna stick with my life and did you eat the well, I, I licked it a little bit. I licked it a little bit and I was like, just like I can't I feel like,
0: I feel like for durian lovers to say this is the best durian, that would be like the nastiest durian for non-durian. Yeah, because like, be like
3: for them it's,
0: it's like, like, like the most fragrant and to me it's like yeah. the most gross smelling like, thing yeah.
3: See, yeah, yeah, there we go. And and I, I think sometimes it looks like that when we look at life and we go, the best life for you is to be the richest person in the earth, to be successful, to have a family, blah 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 blah. But what if I never liked Durian in the first place? That's not necessarily what's best. So right. my encouragement right. would be really going back to the whole identity piece, going back to what are you created for? Who are you created to be? God gave you mm. specific DNA for a specific purpose. Mm. And it's funny, you know, like we talked about Elan's first impression on me and how I was allowed one. Right. back in the days, i I felt like I was really bossy, and I think people describe me as that. But you know, I reflect and I go, that was leadership. That was leadership. That was the same with Elam. Like he was opinionated, but that was leadership there. And for me to then do what I do now requires actually me to boss people around a little bit because I have to lead. And right. Where did I get that from? Actually, I, I get I got that from my parents who are really great managers and bosses at, at their own companies. And that mm. is the DNA that God has created me with to do what I need to do now. And I, I say this like to Joe all the time. I, 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 and it's funny that, yeah, I'm bringing Joe into this conversation, but... I say this to her all the time. I say to her, for you to be a leader in what you do doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. (laughs) mean you do what I do, but I just know that you're going to make an impact with the love that you give, with the empathy that you give, the the way that you understand people. Mm. And that's that, that is where God wants you to be, to lead with compassion Mm. and love and lead people, and lead your friends into that space of loving people that way. Mm. But for me, I, I lead in a complete different way. So mm. it's the whole durian and lychee thing. Like, if you don't like durian, the best durian is gonna be the nastiest durian. If you don't like lychee, well, the best lychee is also gonna be the nastiest lychee too. If you so- don't
0: like lychee, man, you got problems, though.
3: Yes, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I really, I, I, have always said this. I always felt who, everyone in the world likes lychee. Who doesn't like lychee? Lychee. So- oh my! I have had people uh, say to me oh, that they don't on, like bro. lychee. Lychee is no-
0: Oh, man. Is just like a sweet fruit great texture I feel it's the well same as like mango
3: bodies. right some people don't like mango and i could i couldn't i couldn't understand that you guys don't like mango oh my goodness i like mango, mango. Oh, I,
0: like mango. Okay. I, 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 I can just imagine people like not liking mango but then i feel like lychee is just indisputable
3: well, let's and see if anyone, if anyone comments uh, on your Instagram <laughs> and, and say that they actually don't like lychee, I'd yeah. like to hear that. I mean, well, I don't know if I'd like to hear that, but <laughs> I, said, I will I, choose my friends wisely. <laughs> I
2: heard recently, like, someone said um, they like, like, long an more than lychee all right oh, okay, okay.
3: It's time to end the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, about
0: fruit. no no but I think like that message I mean even just hearing it you know I mm. even as someone who kind of knows you know your life just hearing you you know talk about that and just it, it's just really challenging and I think it's mm. really uh mm. it'll give me definitely food for thought going mm. away after this pod is you know what am I really afraid of and who am I mm. created to be and mm. it's almost like i should really be afraid of you know i've got what 80 90 years god willing maybe less maybe a lot less Mm. on this earth isn't the thing that i should be afraid of the most you know not doing what i was created to do because Mm. that be a scary thought you know like yeah Yeah. i'm old as and i'm just like dang like what are what what did i what did i do and what could i have done so Mm. i feel like i think christian or not i think that is a message that everyone can can resonate with
1: it's Mm. Mm.
0: yeah like the safest place to be is if i was doing exactly what i knew i should be doing
2: mm. and yeah dang like there's this phrase that's like coming to my head it's like i know it's like completely off the mark but oh here um, we go
0: classic sydney butchering a quote
2: <laughs> <laughs> i was like <laughs> okay come on bro hit us I was like, okay the phrase is if you do what you love you never work like a single day of your life oh my okay okay But i mean that's, the that's yeah, yeah, so that so I got the quote right, <laughs> but it yeah, doesn't capture <laughs> it doesn't capture what I'm feeling. Like it feels like if I'm put in the right position and like where God wants me to be, and I'm utilizing my talents and gifts for Him, like utilizing it, being a good steward of it. Mm. Like it almost feels like it doesn't matter like what else is happening around me because mm. I'm I'm in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, I, think yeah that's I, a, I just that's, feel that's I just what feel keeps me going. Too. Yeah. Yeah all right
0: um yeah thank you so much pauline for making time out of your your busy schedule to Mm. hop on our humble podcast yeah
3: it's my privilege i love chatting with you you guys like we don't talk (laughs) enough man i talk to your wives a lot but we don't talk enough
0: (laughs) yeah well Matt, because i was just thinking um even just the thing you said about joe before and, and you know the conversations you have with her i'm just like yep like that's why that's why we don't have any tension anymore because you're just like you're just full of good messages for my wife <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I endorse this message
3: <laughs> great um, thank you for endorsing my message <laughs> <laughs> approved by elib okay <laughs>
0: Um, yeah if you guys enjoyed this episode if you guys have any feedback let us know this is one of the first times we've had a guest on the pod it's actually the first time but we're probably going to be releasing it after we have our wives on the pod first so let us know how that mm. went and if you guys enjoyed having a guest on
2: we have a couple more guests in the plans make sure you guys follow us on Podcast, and also give Paulina a follow if you're interested in what she's doing what she's cooking she actually cooks quite a bit <laughs> so yeah, you can check out her adventures.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you again to Pauline and thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you in the next week. Have a good sleep. Have a good time finding your identity and I hope you guys don't stay caught in a midlife sort life crisis for too long if you guys are currently there. Oh, oh
1: my. my. <laughs> <laughs>